Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash, Series 1, Episode 21. I have Nina Soetz, the MD and founder of Future PR. Welcome, Nina. Thank you. Hello. For the benefit of the listeners, if you could be so kind as to sort of bring us up to speed as to, to where you've come from to here you are now as the founder of Future PR. Oh, that is a, a, that could go on for hours, that question. But essentially, so Future is a remote PR agency. We're based in the UK. Uh, and we handle publicity and reputation management for a number of CEOs and um, well-known brands. We do a lot of corporate work. So I'd say predominantly 75% of our activities is corporate, you know, getting our clients in the likes of the Sunday Times and the Telegraph, um, BBC and all those business shows. But we also do a little bit of consumer work as well so we do some bar launches um, retail uh, product launches our clients at the moment they range they're so varied they range from retail to finance to cryptocurrency um, which is obviously very relevant at this point in time Um, recruitment and leisure um, we've worked with with massive massive brands and I also do support several different agencies across the UK as well where they need some corporate expertise or just some consultancy to help out on their clients. So I started Future exactly two years ago next Friday. I can't believe how quickly it's gone. It it feels like just yesterday I woke up and I thought yeah I'll quit my job and I'll do this. So it launched in January 2017 and the whole idea about it was that I was just so fed up with how the PR industry in the UK, this is how the PR industry was running and the ways it was working. I felt like everything was quite traditional and quite old school. And for an industry which you know credits itself as forward thinking for its clients and doing all these amazing stunts um, and technology and um, VR stunts for its clients, it hasn't really kind of driven that forward in its own industry. There's a lot of processes still being done, which are dragged through from the 80s and 90s. I was working agency side for various agencies in London and Oxford for nine years. And I just got really tired of how it was going. And I couldn't really put my stamp on the the agencies I was working at. And also, I'll come on to this later, um, Ben, but I also read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week while I was on holiday. Yeah, amazing book. And um, I suddenly thought every morning I was commuting into Oxford and I was waiting for about an hour in traffic. And then I was going into the office and looking at the, the same four walls and then just opening my laptop. And then I would go home, sit in another hour of traffic, and then I'd get up and do the same thing every single day. And I know Groundhog Day is a, a cult 80s film, um, but I, I literally felt like I was living that every single day. So I just thought, why, why am I here opening a laptop in an office? I could open this laptop anywhere in the world. I could be in France, Middle East, America, and still do the same 
level of work for my clients as I'm doing now in this office. So that's really where it came from. And then, you know, I just suddenly woke up one day and thought, I've, I've got to do this myself. There's no better opportunity. I've, I've reached where I can agency side now. I'm at the top of my game, so to speak. So yeah, I just took the plunge and, and went for it. And I had a lot of people say, what are you doing? Don't quit your job. It's an amazing job. And my dad especially was kept ringing me up and saying, don't do it. <laughs> what are you doing? But I am an actual risk taker. I always tell people I will never go to Las Vegas because I think I will be one of those old women on the slot machine because I just <laughs> love risk. So I just did it because I thought, what's the worst that can happen? If, if it all fails, I'll just go and get another job somewhere. You know, what's the worst that can happen? So I went for it. And now here I am two years later. Great. So what would you say makes your clients choose you over other PR agencies out there? Oh, that is a good question. I think that I definitely wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't have the expertise um, and the media relationships that I built over those um, eight, nine years in agency side. Yeah, I'm not saying that anyone can start a PR agency um, fresh out of university. I don't think that's possible. And I always credit the agencies I worked at <clears throat> for giving me the skill set um, and expertise and experience to, to be able to do what I'm doing now. I think what makes me different is the level of relationships I know what works for a client I can get clients in places in media that a lot of other agencies can't seem to do or they haven't built up those connections and I count a lot of national journalists and broadcast journalists as friends as well and I think that that's really important quite a lot of PR agencies look at PR as a sales tool They'll just phone up a journalist and try and pitch in a story and not really get to know what the journalist wants um, or needs for their publication. I think it's really important to have journalists as friends and take them out for lunch and, and treat them as, as real people. I see so many juniors now who just bombard journalists with emails and, and sales pitches, and I just don't think that's the way to work. You know, you, you really have to understand from a journalist's perspective where they're coming from and what they need for their piece. So in terms of, of what sets me apart, what sets Future apart as a PR agency, I would say it's the, the level of expertise um, and experience I have over multiple industries, but also those media relationships I have with, with key journalists. I'm not going to sell in a client to a journalist who, who is making me look bad. So um, yeah, it's just honesty, expertise and contacts, I would say, sets me apart. Uh, it's good to hear. That's a very good point. In terms of building the business in the first place you've got the experience mm. the knowledge the the network did you go and seek funding at all or is it all yourself no so i didn't seek any investment um actually and funnily enough i had a lot of people in the industry ask me um when i first started out what my level of investment was and where i got the money to start the business which surprised me because i don't believe in an industry like pr and also in a lot of marketing businesses as well, I don't think you need investment to start. And I think it's one of the biggest lies, basically, in the business world that you have to have investment to start a business. Do not believe in that. So I started Future from my friend's kitchen. I remember I was sat at her table. I just went onto company's house. I registered the Future company um, for £12. It's so cheap to register a company, I wouldn't believe. I set up business banking through Santander. 
and I set up the business insurance, which it wasn't even that much either, a few hundred pounds. And then uh, I also had my Mac, my MacBook. And that's all I needed. I didn't need any other money to make this business work because I think that at the start of the business, especially in PR, all I needed is my brain, my reputation and my contacts. So it was just a case of going out there, telling everyone I started out on my own and watching the word of mouth work for me. Sacrificed a lot of lions I could have had in those first few months because I was just meeting so many people and saying I've launched this business, I'm now a PR consultant, I've got this agency called Future, if you want to work with me, then please do and let's catch up and you know all the all the usual networking ways. But yeah, no, I didn't have any investment, going back to your original question, I didn't have any investment at all. And I think that there are so many businesses now who believe that they do need it. I just need my brain and my ability. I think a lot of people get sucked in into thinking that investment somehow makes you look more credible as an entrepreneur or somehow makes you look bigger, makes the business look better. Or I also find a lot of people seek investment so they can say they are seeking investment or so they can go on Instagram and say, I've just done a five or six figure raise to start my business. I don't, I just don't think it works. And I think a lot of people forget that if you get a five figure investment, in your company that's one day old, you are now also five figures in debt to that investor. For me, having started from zero, everything I made through Future was then mine. I didn't then owe the investor anything. I hadn't given the investor any shares in anything. You know, the whole company is mine. So I have full control of that company as well, which I, I think a lot of new startups forget. As soon as someone invests in your company, you're giving up a little bit of control and a little bit of the decision-making as well. So I would say to anyone starting a business and is worried about funding, see if you can do it on your own first and actually really think about why you need the money and if you need it. Again, I see a lot of people, especially in co-working spaces, who just want an office or want to be seen to have an office in a particular building in a particular city. A lot of people just don't need that at all. They'll spend thousands, tens of thousands on fitting out an amazing office with plants and desks and cool chairs and a lot of the time you'll go to the client's office anyway to have a meeting and no one will see your plants and chairs and desks <laughs> so so I would say you know really think closely and think hard about whether you need any any money at all very good point I, I agree totally mm. as an angel investor myself the use of money the application of that money is is as important mm. as just getting it yeah, I agree totally. And it's fantastic that you haven't taken on that investment mm. debt and self-funded to where you are today. Could you just tell us a bit more about your plans for the next 12 months or so? What does the future look like for Future PR? Yeah, so I um, have had a lot of uh, thinking to do in the last six months, I would say, because Following on from the previous question, actually, I've had a few people come to me and say, do you want any investment or are you looking to grow the agency in a particular way? Do you need an office, funnily enough, which goes against everything I even started the business out for? And am I looking to grow the team? So at the moment with Future, it's a very, very lean business model, as well as being remote, which means that I don't have an office and I don't pay for overhead, such as rent and rate. I just work from anywhere. 
um, coffee shops, various co-working spaces that are free, or hotels like Hoxton in London has a, an amazing free co-working space, um, and Citizen M as well in London. Um, I also run my business um, with a freelancer model as well. I call it a freelancer network. So I can scale my team to ha- dependent on the client needs for that month. If I have clients that will only need my help that month, then it's just it can be, just be me for a month. Um, obviously, I have my VA, virtual assistant as well, who handles the admin and finance side. Um, and I have a content designer as well because I admittedly I'm not very good on Photoshop and I can't do gifts and everything like that so I have a a designer if I have a month uh, which is very very hectic and I need support with media sell-ins or for various stunts or um, media training for example then I will bring in my freelance team to help me so I have uh, people who are really skilled in social media or Issues management, for example, who I can bring in as and when I need them. And that allows me to, as I said, scale the team and and keep finances as low as possible and as profitable as possible each month. So in the last six months, I have had multiple inquiries about whether I would be looking to get a permanent team, a permanent office, whether I'd need investment. And I've come to the conclusion that no, because I love my business as it is. I think it's working really well. And there's not many... PR agencies out there who can say that they have a 70% operating profit margin, which Future does. I'm really, really proud of where I built it to. And I'm not saying that in the future, I won't need to build it out and and do something different with it because the landscape is always changing. But for the next 12 months, I'm focusing on how it is now and growing it how it is now and getting more of a reputation for that lean business model as well. So in 2018, we turned over six figures which was absolutely amazing for me for a two-year-old company in 2019 I have earmarked an 80% growth target for turnover growth and we've already secured 19% of that in January and February alone so we're on course to achieve it if everything goes to plan and I am quietly confident but of course there's that big b word of Brexit coming up which will and um, bring its own challenges in PR and how that affects client decisions on, on where they spend their marketing budget and also you've got more and more players coming into the industry now so when I first started in 2017 there weren't many remote PR agencies there weren't in fact I can't really think of any PR agency using a freelancer network model like I do uh, but now I can count at least four or five that are doing the same thing I'm doing So um, it will be challenging, but I think I've carved out enough of a reputation. I think that Future has, you know, is standing out for the right reasons, especially up in Manchester where I live now. There's there's no one doing what I'm doing, which is fantastic for me and the growth here. So it will be challenging, but exciting. And, you know, if business was easy, then everyone would be doing it. So I'm I'm quietly confident. It's amazing growth, especially when you have got very minimal Mm. overheads as well (laughs) story yeah it's great to see and uh, fingers crossed and i wish you every success across those 12 months and it'd be good to come back next year and regale over how that went Uh, have you achieved your your goals and what sort of challenges you faced talking about challenges what sort of challenges have you faced to date in setting up your business and uh, is there any particular lesson you've learned 
that you can share with the listeners? Mm-hmm. I would say my biggest challenge and learning is not to panic when things go wrong. It can be very, very easy as a business owner to suddenly panic. And it feels like, I don't, I don't know how old you are, Ben, but do you remember in Indiana Jones when he was trapped in that room and the walls started coming in from every side? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, that's what it feels like from a, as a business owner when things start to stumble or go wrong. It feels like the walls are caving in, but you've just got to fight through it. And I know from agency side that there are peaks and troughs. There'll be some months which are amazing um, and you'll think this is unbelievable. I can't believe the business is making this much. Or I can't believe we're doing such amazing work. And then the next month could be as dry as anything. You won't get any new business leads coming in or something will happen in the economy, which makes you think, oh, I wish I hadn't even started this business. I wish I was still employed by someone else because then at least I'd have the safety net of, of um, income coming in that I'd know about. So I'd say my biggest challenge would be that definitely and just holding focus and and positivity and and just remembering that it's just the way business goes I would say in terms of lessons learned find yourself a mentor as soon as you can or even before you've you've come up with the business name or or before you've even registered the business find a mentor who is successful in the industry get to know them as a friend and and learn from them as much as you can. So I've been very, very lucky to have met some amazing PRs in my career um, who have now become fantastic mentors for me. Um, one of them is David Fraser, an agency called Ready10. Um, so I haven't known David for that long, actually, but I got in touch with him when I was thinking of launching Future um, back in 2016 and just said, you've just launched your own agency. I would love to catch up with you. Um, and find out you know what difficulties did you have in those first few months Um, what learnings did you have because I'm also obviously going to encounter similar difficulties and if I know how you've come through it and how you've turned the agency into the success it is now then hopefully I can repeat that so David's been a fantastic asset for me um, and I would say for anyone just to, to make sure you have a mentor not only to to learn from but to pull up when you need you know, I've had some challenges. I've had some challenging inquiries come in. I've had some decisions to make that haven't been easy, where I've been able to just phone up David and say, what would you do? Or what would you advise that I do? And I'm not saying that everything your mentor says you have to do, but at least it gives you an outsider perspective because it can be so easy to get wrapped up in, in your business and what you think is right and actually, sometimes you just need someone from an outside perspective or, or you just need to step away from the problem and from your business and make it, you know, not as personal as it could be. So, yeah, definitely find a mentor, find people to learn from in the industry and, and they should be able to guide you and they should be there when you need them. I've seen quite a lot of mentorship programs recently. Some of them are fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure if this is, applies across all industries, but, but for PR and marketing, a lot of the trade publications run mentorship schemes that you can apply to be involved in where you can find mentors. Uh, I have seen a few, not necessarily in PR, that are paid for, and that's something I would recommend against. I don't think you should ever pay a mentor. If someone is successful in business, they'll want to help. 
newcomers in the industry. If anyone ever says, I'll be your mentor, but pay me X amount per month, I would say run in the other direction as fast as possible. For the benefit of the listeners then, how did you go about finding your mentors? Because this is something I'm struggling with myself at the moment. It would be good to know mm-hmm. how you went out and developed that relationship first. PR is a very, very small industry. There are hundreds and hundreds of agencies, but most people know everyone else in the industry. So I used to work at an agency in London called Frank, um, who are a fantastic consumer agency and David actually used to work at Frank but not at the time I was there so when I was first thinking about launching Future I went to meet with Alex Greer who's the current MD of Frank um, just updated him on what I'm doing and whether he thought it was a good idea and luckily he said yes he said that David had just left Frank actually I think David was director or associate director at Frank Um, to set up his own agency um, a year previous and it was doing amazingly well and it had won a lot of new agency of the year awards Um, and he Alex recommended that I get in touch with David just to meet him and find out how he started it all so it really came about from that and then we um, just met for lunch met for coffee a few times um, a month and it really just grew out of that because you know you can find mentors who have been in the industry for 10 20 years and there there are very many that I count as as amazing friends in that respect who have been in PR for, for years and years and years and have built their own agencies into global groups now David's agency Ready 10 was so new that I felt that it probably I'd I'd be able to relate to it a lot more than talking to someone who had started an agency 10 years ago. You start an agency 10 years ago, you don't have the same problems that you would starting an agency now. So that's really how it came about. I think it's important to find people at the top of your industry, whichever industry you might be launching a business in. See who has been successful recently. Make sure they are successful as well, because you don't want to learn from someone who isn't being successful. And just getting in touch with them. I think a lot of people, especially people, I would say my age, but I'm actually thinking younger. So a lot of people in their 20s, I think a lot of people are scared of reaching out to industry leaders and saying, will you help me? I'm thinking of starting up a business. What advice would you give? And I don't know why that there's that, that hesitancy to do that because if, I, I get a lot of emails and a lot of messages on social media saying, I'm thinking of doing this. Would you mind helping me? And like, absolutely, I love giving up my time to help people who are thinking about going freelance or thinking about starting an agency because I've been there. I can share my opinions. I can share my learnings as well. I would hate someone to go through the panic of of being in those troughs and not knowing how to handle that. So I love giving away my kind of thoughts and advice and it's up to them whether they take it or not. Um, And I can't really think of anyone who wouldn't want to do that or wouldn't want to help out someone who's fresh into business so I would say just don't be afraid to to contact them on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or email them find their emails put their name and business into Google and see if you can find their email and, and drop them a line because at the end of the day as well they want to know personally that they are liked in the industry and they're thought of as a good industry leader so what's the worst that can happen they don't reply and then what 
move on to, to the next person. There's going to be someone out there who can help you. So I just wouldn't be afraid of contacting them personally. I really appreciate the insight. Thank you. It was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your experience in launching products, services mm-hmm. into uh, the marketplace, there are a number of founders that I'm speaking to who are very early on in their evolution as a business and building out their mm. products and services. Is there one recommendation that you could give to them about how they would go about promoting their idea? Oh, that is a good but tough question because it just would depend on what their product was. <laughs> I get a lot of approaches from new tech startups a lot of apps being built lately. Everywhere I go, someone is building an app, which is fantastic, but also very scary because I only open about four apps on my phone. So, it, you know, it takes a lot to, to make me then want to download another app and use that on a daily basis. So I get a lot of approaches saying, how can I make my app exciting and make people want to download it? Um, and also, like you say, there are a lot of other businesses in, in tech especially that, that are just launching I would say make sure you do all the testing you can um, before you even approach the media before you even look into PR because if I go to a journalist if I was a, a, a bad PR and I would take your money and I would go to a journalist and say this app has just launched it's amazing here write about it here's all the details If that journalist then downloads the app and something's not working or there's a bug and it hasn't been tested properly, the first piece of your coverage you're going to get for your new business is a negative article. And that will always be there. And then the next journalist who wants to write about it will always put into Google the brand name. And if that negative article then flags up, then you've got no hope of turning that second journalist into a positive piece and so on and so on. And it would just snowball and um, all because you didn't do your testing right or you couldn't wait to launch and you didn't have the patience. So I would say testing, especially from a tech point of view, make sure you've done your focus groups, make sure you've tested every single possibility there could be of using this app or this product. And that goes for physical products as well. If you're launching a new shoe or if you're launching um, a new bar, you know, make sure every single aspect of that is as good as it can be and it absolutely matches what your original business plan said. Don't sell out either. And this is especially true for consultancy businesses such as PR or marketing. I would say when you first start out, it's easy to get sucked in and and take any business offer or any client offer which comes your way. But you have to stick to your guns and you have to stick to your original plan. If you had a day rate in mind when you first started and that's what you built your business plan on, don't then change that at the first offer that comes your way. Don't cut that in half just because the first client that approaches you says, we won't pay you £300, we'll pay, pay you £100 because you've immediately ruined the value of your business and it will be very, very hard then to then go back up to that £300 per day, for example, uh, that you set your plan on. And also then from day one, you, you're not meeting your business plan, your objectives and your growth targets and everything like that. So you've already set yourself up for a struggle. So I would just say stick to your gun with a consultancy business 
you know your value or you should know your value. If you don't know your value, get someone else in the industry like your mentor to tell you what your value is and help you work that out. But make sure you always stick to the reasons that you set up your business for and for a tech company. Just make sure you test and test and test. I've seen so many new companies fail, unfortunately, because the Daily Mail tested it and did a negative review. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. You very kindly shared some insights and experience there. In the interest of learning and mm-hmm. developing oneself, mm-hmm. you mentioned a book, The Four Hour Work Week, but in Paris. Mm-hmm. Are there any other sources of information that you can recommend to the listeners that's helped you on your journey to date? Yeah, so Tim Ferriss, as I mentioned, and as you just mentioned, The Four Hour Work Week will always be the best bit I've ever read in my life. A lot of people hate it, funnily enough. I've recommended it to a lot of people and some people just do not understand it. I don't really know why. I read somewhere that business owners have a different mindset and mentality to employees. Some people love love the safety net of being an employee and, and would never even dream of having their own business. And that's absolutely fine. It's, and it's a brilliant way to live if you like that. Um, but if you don't, if you are looking to to run your own business one day or you are running your own business then I would definitely recommend the four-hour work week it's about I think it's about 10 or 12 years old now I'm not sure but it's still so relevant and it was so ahead of its time when it came out as well so that is definitely my favorite book ever and also any Tim Ferriss book I think I'm obsessed with him so Tools of Titan (laughs) Tribe of Mentors they're so easily accessible as well you you can just pick it up and read one page and you're inspired for the day by an entrepreneur or a CEO who has done something amazing. So I would definitely say to have those on the bookshelf. At the moment, I'm reading Dave Trott's Predatory Thinking. Dave Trott is um, a marketer, which is amazing in the PR and marketing industry. It's just about various ways of thinking differently to competitors. Also reading a book by Richard Templer called The Rules of People. So I, kind, I tend to just dip in and out of books and not finish them and then dip back into them. But yeah, The Rules of People is interesting. And I did psychology at school, so available. So I love it. It's all about looking at how people think differently and how some people react to, to different situations um, in some way and, and just having more empathy for people and, and their opinions and thoughts and actions. So it can really help from a PR point of view into getting into the mindset of where your clients are coming from as well. So those four or five, I can't remember how many I named now, are probably my, my top ones. Tim Ferriss, you mentioned, I usually ask mm. about an entrepreneur or business owner that you look up to. There is, and it's a very famous one who gets a lot of stick, and that is Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. So he is very much like Marmite, and I would say I meet more people who hate him than love him, but I love him. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. He, he does do a lot of um, advocating an 18-hour day and not sleeping, and, you know, there are bad elements to what he says that I disagree with. If it works for him, fantastic. It does not work for me. I need my sleep. But he says a lot of amazing stuff, and I think it gets hidden under all of that negativity. So he talks 
nearly every day about not caring what people think or letting other people's opinions hold you back, uh, not having the guts to, to take the risk and, and follow your passion. I think people are so quick to judge him based on those 18 hour day comments that they don't really see that, that positive um, angle that he's promoting as well. So he is just, I think he's just a brilliant speaker. I was lucky enough to see him in August of last year and it was fantastic. You could hear a pin drop in the room. Everyone was just absolutely in awe of him. He's a fantastic, fantastic speaker. Um, I'd say one of the best actually. And the way he's marketing himself, you can't deny that it's working. He does a video interview, then he'll get the audio off that and make it into a podcast. And then he'll get the the written copy and make it into a blog. And then he'll chop it up and make it into sound bites for social or or um, gifts or memes for social. And he does that every single day, or his team do. And you just can't deny that that is working for him. So I think that there's a lot of lessons everyone can learn from him and, and how he does his work. And also, if I'm having a really bad day or I've got a really important meeting, I'll always put his podcast on. Um, or I'll listen to him because it really pumps me up. He's so aggressive. <laughs> so it just makes me really, really pumped up and like no one can mess with me that day. So if I've listened to Gary Vee before my meeting with you, just watch out. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the first question for every client of yours now have you listened to Gary <laughs> before? <laughs> no it, it is I agree I, I think he's a fantastic character and really does help a lot of people get out of the slump and, and start working towards their dreams mm-hmm. and very motivational there's a lot of sense to what he says and I think people yeah. do need to be careful though about how it's interpreted because he keeps going on about context as well and what he means by mm-hmm. thing, and it it's down to us as individuals to to really explore what he's trying to say before mm-hmm. making, taking action, uh, because you may take action based on incorrect perception. Uh, so yeah, definitely. And I think with with anyone who's outspoken, you'll just immediately put people's backs up. Um, there will be people who just immediately hate you because you're so outspoken, or because um everyone likes you so some people will just hate you because of that so I think that's just what happened to him and you know I'll speak to people I'll say have you heard of Gary V and they'll say I hate him and I'll say why do you hate him what has he said and they won't be able to name anything that he's done or said or any reason for hating him apart from everyone else hates him so I think he's very misunderstood, but I would definitely tell people to listen to his podcast if possible um, or, or, or follow him on, on Instagram because it is, it's really inspiring for a business owner, in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> I'll probably it, get a lot of hate now. <laughs> oh, you won't. You won't. Was that at the Troxy? I think I was in the same room as you. Yes, it was. Yes, it was down in London. So yeah. it was a two-day, uh, what was it called? It was a two-day event. Success Factors. With various event. speakers. Yeah, something like that. Um, And I would say that the rest of the speakers I didn't really engage with um, as much, apart from Daniel Priestley, who um, I also am reading his book at the moment. He was amazing as well. So Daniel was on before Gary Vee, and I think he set it up so so fantastically well. Um, But I didn't really engage with the speakers prior to that. Um, And I don't know whether that was just because in the UK, we're not used to such um, <laughs> outgoing speakers. It was unbelievable. These 
people were standing on tables and standing on chairs and running around the room and in the UK we're not really used to that we're used to um like Theresa May being really reserved and not really speaking very loudly and <laughs> so I think I was just a bit in shock for the first two days um before Daniel and then Gary V came on so yeah but it was a good event actually. Mm-hmm. No, there were tidbits in each presentation that you could lift and really use mm. and so there was a lot of value in the day it, uh, but I thought it was a great event and uh, obviously mm-hmm. a very inspirational uh, keynote at the end and um, I had the opportunity to meet Gary very briefly mm. before that when he did his shoe release when meeting him my experience was that he didn't judge at all he waited for something what I had to say and yeah. he, he had no or if he plays poker, he's very good. He, yeah, there was no, mm. no clear judgment. There was nothing there. And that was amazing to mm. see. If you see so many people, yeah. they, they judge you immediately, that first impression. He wanted mm-hmm. to know who I was and what I had to say. And mm. he was very gracious in that. And what I was impressed with, he met hundreds and hundreds of people, like bang, 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 one, two, three, four, five. And he had the same energy with every individual. And I was just yeah. wondering how he, he does that. That's fantastic. Anyway, yeah, look how, <laughs> how he's done. He's, how are you talking about him for the next five minutes? And... I know, Gary V fan club. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as an entrepreneur, as building businesses can take up a lot of time. How, how do you go about getting clear headspace? Um, yeah, I do go to the gym every night. This isn't something I would have said about three years ago. I hated the gym um, back when I was employed. Um, but now I just find it so relaxing. Well, that's probably not the right word to use. It just helps get the stress out of the day. And it, it takes me away from my emails as well, which is really important. So I either go to the gym or I go swimming every evening. And then I will come home and try and switch off if possible and watch films you know all the usual really I'm, I'm lucky actually because obviously I don't have an office like I've said so a lot of people laugh and joke at me that I'm always in random restaurants or cafes or um, eating places eating random food throughout throughout the day and I think that that is is handy for me as well I love my food I love experiencing different cuisines so if there's anywhere that that has space for me to work and I can eat good food I find that quite relaxing as well yeah just gym and swimming and eating good food I think so time has flown there is a question I ask every mm. at the end of every conversation and hopefully your answer will be different every year and that would be <laughs> what would you do differently knowing what you know now what would I do differently I think I've been very lucky in what I've done. I've, I've had some really good people around me who have kept me on the straight and narrow, um, who haven't let me get away from myself and have kept me grounded. So in terms of what I would do differently, I think that is a very hard question because there's actually not that much. <laughs> I believe in karma a lot. So I'm quite a, a karma-led person. And I think if I did something differently, I wouldn't really be where I am now. If I was to answer that, it would be just not to panic when things might go wrong or when clients push back or, or there's a stumbling bot in the business. I think it's just staying confident, keeping firm to your business plan. There have been times where I've gone off on a tangent, I've tried to do something or take the business in a certain direction 
Um, and then literally the next day I've, I've looked back at that business plan. And I've thought, no, this is wrong. Let's stick to what we, what we said at the start. So there's not that much I would do differently. That's a very, very poor answer, I know. But I'm just really happy with where the business is at the moment. I'm very, very lucky that it's gone well. And funnily enough, I moved up to Manchester in uh, November of 2017. So 11 months after I launched the company down in London. And if anything, I'd move up here sooner because the business has just grown phenomenally since I've been up here because there's just not that many PR agencies up here doing what I do. So I suppose if anything, I'd move up here sooner, although I don't know if I could hack the rain. It rains all the time. I can't tell you. I love Manchester, but the weather needs sorting out. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. The thinking behind the question is that Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash is geared to follow the journeys of 52 entrepreneurs. And the journey, you go along a path and then there's a fork in the road and there are decisions that you need to make. And you go down mm-hmm. right, center or left or whatever the, the choice metrics looks like for you. And then the idea is that each year, some of those forks in the road that you make one decision, you go, oh, I wish I went down the other road. Or how do mm-hmm. I circumvent back to that road mm-hmm. or path? And that would be the learning that I'd love to hear in the future. So that, okay. that goes for every entrepreneur. That's the thinking behind the question. But yeah, brilliant. And Manchester, although it rains, there's great opportunity for you. And um, yeah, it would be great to, to hear your story as it progresses over the next five years plus and um, the organisations that you work with, uh, some of the stories that you'll have in, in the experiences you gain through doing that. That would be great. Mm, that would be great. I'd love to catch up again. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H. Easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe and until next week, cheers.